Hi there, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name is Elisa Pearl. Thank you for tuning in. With me today are two fabulous Latina Trekkies, Dr. Luz Rosines. Hello. And Ana Post. Hi. Oh, I'm so happy to have you ladies here. I'm going to do some housekeeping before we get into it. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as $1 per month and get awesome rewards from thanks on social media to silly watch-along commentaries with the crew. Visit www.patreon.com slash women at warp. Are you looking for podcast merch? Check out our Public store. There are so many designs with new ones being added all the time. And on so much more than just t-shirts, find our store at tpublic.com slash stores slash women at warp. And I think we are ready to dive in. But first, I want to tell the folks listening a little bit about who we are and why we're talking about Latinidad in Star Trek. So Luz, can you give us a little, just a little of your backstory, like where you're from and what's your Trekness? <laughs> sure. All right, so I'm Dr. Luce. I am the child of two Dominican parents who immigrated to New York City in the early 80s. So I was born in New York. I was introduced to Star Trek, I will say, by my mom and my uncle. We would watch the TOS reruns. And then the Star Trek that kind of became my Trek was Voyager. That was the Trek that was on. Well, as I like to call them, the formative years, you know, I think I was 13 when it started. And so that was the one that I kind of grew up with and kind of solidified a lot of my um, thoughts and feelings. And so that's my trek. Awesome. And Anna, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Sure. So I um, grew up in central New York. Um, my father is... Um, basically European mutt. They've been in the country since like the Dutch started coming over. Um, And my mother is from the Dominican Republic. And then she moved to the States when she was 12. And my parents met while in the Peace Corps in Jamaica. And when they were finished, ended up moving back to central New York, where I was born and grew up. I got through track Uh, mostly through my dad's side of the family. Um, My uncle was a Trek fan and we watched TOS on reruns. And obviously I really liked marine biology. And so Star Trek four really solidified, I think my love at the age of four. (laughs) (laughs) My dad really liked Um, The Next Generation, so we would watch TNG as a family, and Picard was his captain, and uh, Voyager and DS9 are are really my two loves from when I was growing up, and I've, you know, been a Trekkie ever since. Love it. And as for me, Elisa, I am the daughter of an African-American man from New Jersey slash D.C. area. And an Afro-Boricua New Yorkian mom who grew up between New York City and Puerto Rico. 
And so I like to say I'm black on both sides <laughs> <laughs> and my blackness is through both Af being African-American and being Puerto Rican. I am obviously super into Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> I watched it as a kid with my dad and also my uncle and aunt, my, my mom's brother and his wife when we went, would stay at their house in Florida in the, I guess, 90s. And I then like didn't watch it for a lot of my like young adulthood, late teens. I just kind of fell off. And then I recame to it in my adulthood looking for, I don't know, looking for meaning, looking for inspiration in my acting career and my creative career. And I found it in Star Trek. And since then, I've just been like guzzling Star Trek. And I, when I was a kid, TNG was my main Star Trek and also like reruns of TOS and now I've been working my way through everything and I just finished DS9 a couple months ago and my I just was bawling because, oh my God, that series is so mm -hmm. good. And the way it ends is just, oh God, oh, what a great series. Oh. So that's my, my Trek story. And then I also, since we have three diverse Latinas, and also I love that we're also, we have like Caribbean heritage specifically. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just have a brief, like conversation about <laughs> the dreaded word, the like hot topic, uh, controversial word Latinx <laughs> and what we call ourselves as Latines, whatever you want to call it, Latinas, Latinos, because I think a lot of people listening, you know, if you're not Latino and you're listening, you might be confused because there's a lot of different opinions flying around the internet about whether that word is appropriate or not. Some people are even calling it offensive. Whereas for some people, it's a way for them to feel included in the language and in the culture. So, yeah, I just wanted to like hear what your what are your takes on the word Latinx? <laughs> I can see the need to have it, right? And kind of how we were kind of speaking about before. Sometimes it's not necessarily going to be the first thing that pops to your mind when you're talking, trying to refer to a group of either a group of people or or a subject matter that is about the specific group of people, but I do think that it is the most inclusive and you want to at least have that option. I mean, I was saying I will always probably refer to myself as, you know, Latina, because that's just what comes naturally to me. But the more that I am trying to be aware, the more I will, you know, try to use Latinx. It doesn't always come naturally to me, but I was, I was saying I'll either try to use Latinx or I will sometimes just drop, you know, that ending, the suffix, and sometimes I'll just say Latin. And then I find that that's a way to include everybody. Nice. What about you, Anna? Well, for me, I'm sort of with Luce, and I, I don't necessarily care how someone refers to me. I do tend to call myself either Latina or Latine, just because I'm more familiar with calling myself that. And, you know, I didn't grow up in an area with a lot of Latin people. So Latino as like a group was never really something I, I was saying a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I think inclusion is important. In all honesty, the one that I don't necessarily love is Hispanic, simply because I do think that excludes, you know, countries like Haiti and Brazil and tech, like Belize, countries mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily of Spanish colonialism um, that are very tied to the the wider 
Latin cultures and a more similar culture than just, you know, rooted in Spain. Yeah, I definitely have overlapping viewpoints of everything you both have said. Um, For me, I think the word Latinx is not offensive. I don't find it offensive. I see it as something that uh, people started using, however it was created. I've also heard some strange things about where it was created, and that's why like people are rejecting it. But to me, what's important is that the people who do use it and identify with it feel included when they use it. And so we're a way for them to identify themselves in the community. So I, I agree with what you both said, like how I identify doesn't have to reflect on how other people identify for themselves. I don't mind being called Latinx or Latine, but I know if other people do mind that, that's fine. You can be called Latina, Latino, whatever you want. But I think to try to prevent or shame other people into not using an, a gender inclusive term from themselves, I think that's kind of shitty. <laughs> and I see a lot of people doing that and it bothers me. So that's my take on it. I also was like, I was like, should I, what should I call this episode? You know, and I landed on Latinidad, even though that term itself is kind of controversial. Really? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think maybe less so than Latinx. But yeah, I've seen some people who don't like the term Latinidad. So we like this community, this huge, broad, diverse community of Latines. I think we we don't know what to call ourselves. <laughs> like we, yeah. we can't agree on a term. So it's a broader thing like European, but we all have our own cultural and countries of origin as well. So, right. That's yeah, it's it's a very diverse community. So it's hard to find agreement really on anything. But yeah, thank you for sharing your your viewpoints on that. I I wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to have that be part of this conversation. And now we will dive into our main topic, which is Latinidad or Latines in Trek. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to have this convo. And I'm excited to see how, once we go through this retrospective, what it tells us about Latinas and Trek. Like, is there an overall viewpoint that Star Trek takes on Latinidad in space and Star Trek in the future? If not, should there be? Yeah, I'm excited to, ha- to see that after we look through everything. I also wanted to give a shout out to someone named Al Carroll, who is an associate professor of history at Northern Virginia Community College and a YouTube history vlogger whose video called Star Trek and Latin Americans, helped put together the first draft of this list of Latinas in Star Trek. So you can find that video on YouTube if you like. It was created maybe a couple, a few years ago, so it doesn't have the newer Star Trek shows after like season one of Discovery, but it's still pretty informative. Uh, so definitely check out Al Carroll's YouTube history channel. Now, here we go. Da-da-da! <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> this is a almost comprehensive rundown of prominent Latin, Latine, Latin characters and actors in Star Trek, plus some shout outs to characters and actors from the greater Latin diaspora. This may not be an exhaustive list, honestly, because also, number one, I didn't include characters that were co-stars in one episode. So sorry to them. They are absolutely important and I love them. I have co-starred in things, so I get it. Y'all are fabulous. But because of time and space, I didn't include those characters. Also didn't include characters that didn't play majorly into storylines. Um, So if we forgot anyone, please let us know, tweet them, shout them out, put a picture of their screen grab from the episode. Let's show all of these Latinas love in Star Trek. So starting from the very beginning, the original series. Now, the big one was Khan Nguyen Singh. 
yes. who was an Indian character played by Ricardo <laughs> Montalban, a Mexican actor. <laughs> so, so yeah, already we're seeing the first Latine, Latin Latino man in Star Trek, a Mexican actor. And just, you know, this is kind of all over the place. He's an Indian character yeah. written by non-Indian people. And he's played by a Mexican actor. Also, amazingly, one of the most formidable and memorable villains in Star Trek right. history. Mm -hmm. So, and that is absolutely a testament to how fabulously talented Ricardo Montalban is. I wonder, I wonder if he's also like the most cosplayed. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Even <laughs> yo, Luce, remember we saw like an amazing yes. concert. Chicago. Yeah, in yes, Chicago. Yes. Yeah. So you're yes, yeah, so memorable. Like obviously it's had a huge impact on Star Trek culture. Mm -hmm. And so we love him. We claim him. Obviously, <laughs> Ricardo Montalban. I think, you know, in in the Star Trek community, we probably don't talk enough about this twisterood thing they did by writing him as an supposedly Indian, maybe Sikh that I found that on memory alpha that maybe he was Sikh, but that's never really explored or confirmed. Yeah. And then casting a Mexican actor nowadays, of course, in 2022 hindsight, maybe they would have written the character that way, cast him with an act, a actor Correct. that was closer to that uh, heritage or change the character to be Mexican of dis Mexican descent to reflect the mm -hmm. actor. But yeah, you know, hope. yeah, it's, it was yeah. the sixties. We get it. <laughs> It only gets better. It only yeah. gets better. That's true. <laughs> and then for the rest of TOS, there were just like smaller roles that were maybe Latino, maybe not. And then, of course, actors who were Latino, but very few. So uh, I can count on one hand the rest of them. <laughs> we have uh, the character Commodore Jose Mendez, who is in the court martial of James T. Kirk, played by a non-Latino Jewish actor, Malachi Throne. He doesn't, we don't know if he's, the name is Mendez. He could be from Spain. He could be Latino. We don't know. There's no backstory uh, or other cultural nods. Or or anything else that, you know, would have given away maybe that he is from a Latin, you know, background. Right. Yeah. So we really don't know, but we, we just give him a little shout out here. Uh, there's also Lieutenant Jose Tyler, a Brazilian and English officer. The actor was a Canadian man named Peter Durdian, Dirtier, sorry, if I completely mispronounce your name, sir. He was very fair with red hair and blue eyes. But here's the thing. Some Latinos are very fair yeah. with red hair and blue mm -hmm. eyes. So that doesn't discount him at all. But um, I don't think the actor was Latino. And also, uh, once again, there just besides the name Jose, we don't really have anything else to latch on to in terms of where the character may have been from and their heritage. Then there's Lieutenant Esteban Rodriguez, played by a Latino, mm -hmm. Perry Lopez, who's a Puerto Rican. Hey, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe after Ricardo Montalban, he might be the first or really the second actual Latino to mm -hmm. be in Star Trek. Maybe I can't confirm mm -hmm. that, but it's possible. Yeah. Seems like it. And then I also wanted to make a diaspora shout out to Madge Sinclair, a Jamaican actress who played an unnamed captain in Star Trek IV at the Voyage Home. She was also the first ever black female captain shown on screen in the franchise. So big ups to her. She is wow, part of our diaspora nice. and she is awesome. So that kind of covers the TOS era. Did I miss anything? Is there anything else we wanted to share about that? No, I'm good. Not too much. <laughs> There's not much to explore there. So. Yeah, we got... 
I think I think we have a lot more to talk about later on. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So speaking of which, now we are in the next era, which is the next generation, Voyager and DS9, Deep Space Nine of the 90s. Now, this there is more, obviously more Latina representation, but the start was rocky <laughs> to this era because the character Tasha Yar was initially intended by Gene Roddenberry to be Latina. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's wild. The character's name was written as Macha Hernandez. Uh, and she was inspired by Private Vasquez in the second Alien film, Aliens. I think they described her as a fiery Latina. Yes, okay. I, I remember that too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so problematic as it was, Gene Roddenberry did have a Latina in a series regular role written into the next generation. But the character got changed to the fabulous actress who played her. And, you know, it's like it's hard as an actor because I'm like, I love actors. I love it when we work. I love when we book roles. And I don't want to, like, disparage people for that. But also it would have been awesome to have Macha Hernandez. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it's okay. Like it happened. It is what it is. And then in TNG, we got one of my favorite supporting characters, Ensign Sonia Gomez, played by Leisha Naff, who I'm not sure about her own heritage, but Sonia Gomez was presumably a Latina Latina character on TNG. She was in the first two episodes of TNG. And then she returned recently as a captain in Lower Decks, which is so awesome. Yay! I, yeah. love, when, I love when characters we love come back. Me too. <laughs> I love it. Um, any thoughts about Sonia Gomez? I I felt so bad when I heard her story about how she was supposed to be more of a recurring character, but they kind of got mad that she had, through some miscommunication, they said she had been released, so she cut her hair and then yeah. they wanted to film more things like that. Mm-hmm. That oh, is God. just awful. It's also <laughs> like, wild because like uh, hair extensions, like weave, they could have, I know right? it's, it's a wild reason that they didn't bring her back. I also heard though mm-hmm. that something like, yeah, she was supposed to be. Uh, oh, also, I misspoke. She wasn't in the first two episodes of TNG. She was in. She was first seen in two episodes of TNG. Okay. Yeah. And but yeah, like I also read that she was supposed to be a a love interest for Jordy. Mm-hmm. How awesome would that have been? I know, and also for Jordy because Jordy yes. was always like, like I'm bad at poor this. Jordy. Like poor Jordy. Yeah, could have been nice for him to have like a little like a successful romantic. Yes. Mm-hmm interaction (laughs) yeah but but i guess what happened was like when she appeared on the show either she was directed to be kind of a comic relief or something happened and the the tone of the character changed and of course like for those who are trying to remember sonia gomez she's the one who is in engineering and she's i I think did i write lieutenant or ensign oh ensign yeah she's an ensign she's new and she spills coffee on picard's uniform that's the character we're talking about so, yeah, she became kind of like a uh, comedic relief rather than potential love interest. So kind of kind of sad. But yeah, that's Sonia Gomez. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, I don't know if this is chronologically correct, but that's OK. We're in the era. Kike Enrique Muniz from DS9 episode The Ship. Anna, you were the one who alerted me to this character as the first scripted Spanish speaker in Star Trek. That's awesome. Yes, I know. It was very exciting. I think so. He was in three episodes. He was played by the actor F.J. Rio. 
And so he was an engineer. Um, his background, he didn't go to the academy. He was an enlisted man like O'Brien was. Uh, he was in three episodes, I believe one or in season four, and then two, I believe, in season five, culminating in The Ship, which aired in 1996. But his character, he worked closely with O'Brien. He was calling O'Brien Hefe. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he did die tragically, mm-hmm. um, which was sad. Yeah. In the ship, he got hit by a um, Jem'Hadar uh, rifle and apparently they had anticoagulants so he did end up bleeding out because they couldn't stop it but as he was dying he started hallucinating a little bit and um you know was speaking spanish and and starts talking about the stars which alluded to a conversation about fireworks earlier um so so was speaking spanish as he was dying mm. very very sad wow beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah again i just finished my full watch first full all the way through watch of ds9 and i remember that episode and just like oh it's really impactful Mm -hmm. and yeah i was like no why he gotta die though (laughs) like come on yeah and i think it was just it was just you know quick episodes but you really don't have anyone speaking spanish who is Latine until you're getting into new track. Correct. Mm-hmm. Because in Enterprise, you did have Hoshi who could speak Spanish. It was one of her languages. Mm-hmm. And she did speak some lines of Spanish in the show. Mm-hmm. But you didn't really have that being intrinsically part of someone's cultural heritage mm-hmm. um, and spoken about until Discovery. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah, we'll get, I can't wait to talk about New Trek and that's where all the goodness is. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And so that brings us to Voyager. Hey. So yeah, Robert Beltran and Roxanne Dawson were the first two Latin, Latin uh, recurring regular series regulars in Star Trek. Robert Beltran played a fantasy native character, Jacote, who we... We've learned so much about how Chakotay came into being. And and I thank my indigenous Trekkie friends for yeah. teaching us all how problematic that was. And also putting to words, because mm-hmm. a lot of us were like, is this okay? And we didn't know. And now we like, <laughs> exactly. no, yeah, no, it wasn't. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but Robert Beltran, you know, as a Latino actor, still gets that representation. And we're grateful for him for being there. Chacote's father was played by Henry Darrow, who is Puerto Rican. And he he was interesting. He was known for playing Spaniards in a lot of Western TV series. Uh, Henry Darrow. Look him up. I did not know that. Yeah. And then, of course, Belana Torres. She's our girl. She's our girl. Yay. Oh, yes. First series regular Latina character and played by Roxanne Dawson, who's born in L.A. And she plays a half Klingon And, you know, there's a lot of discourse about whether she was of the tragic mulatto type or if she was like revolutionary representation for not only Latinas, but also people of mixed race, mixed heritage. Yeah, there's a lot to discuss with Belana. She actually deserves her own episode, but let's just like 
let's just take some time to share right now. <laughs> yes. I've been biting at the bit. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> As a little girl and I would watch Voyager and I felt like every time that they would say her name, you know, they'd either, you know, Lieutenant Torres or Torres, even you could say that even her first name, you know, has a little bit of a Latin twing to it. You know, mm. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's like me or I'm like her, you know, and like that kind of people who people who like are looking for that representation subconsciously, you know, because none of us realize that we're you know wanting that. Then you just kind of grasp onto it. Right. And then the fact that she was also the first female chief engineer. So that, that was also like, oh my goodness, she's in a, she's in charge of all these people. She's keeping the ship together, you know, and she's very, um, I don't think she's very confident. Mm -hmm. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know we all have our interpretations of these characters, but I always saw her as being confident. She didn't come across as cocky, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but she, she knew, she knew what she could get done. And this was where I kind of wanted to bring up I know I've spoken to you about it before, Lisa, how the Latin people are so vast and so different, but I felt like she could belong to all of us mm-hmm. only because this was probably not what the writers were trying to get across, but I think they did it at least from, from my perspective because they did not give her a specific ethnicity you know, a specific country to belong to, mm-hmm. I felt like that worked in their favor, mm-hmm. you know, because they didn't give her a specific, you know, um, they never said where her father was from, you know, or what country he was from. And not that we wouldn't have, you know, accepted that into the fold, but I just felt like that just allowed her to be so much more broader, if mm-hmm. that makes any kind of sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's such a great point. Like when you told me that a few weeks ago, I was like, oh my goodness, I never thought yeah. about it that way. Like it doesn't work for Chakotay because I think that they tried hard to bring in all of these different indigenous practices that did not belong to one, you know, all of those different practices were from different groups of indigenous people. Like mm-hmm. not one, like one indigenous group did not have all those practices or they were, you know, they, they didn't do them correctly. So I feel like yeah. it worked to their benefit to not get too specific about her Latin heritage. And I was like, cause, cause then we could all adopt her and they could be like, well, that was me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you actually made that the point as you were saying it, why yeah. it's different for the two of them, because they they did try to show Chekote's heritage, this like cobbling of some real practices, some like new agey fake practices. practices yeah. yeah. But then mm-hmm. they didn't, they we only really saw the Klingon uh cultural stuff Correct. that that Bellana was actually pushing away most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that right there is the difference. Like they never yeah. she never was like, oh, I'm making paella tonight, or you know, like exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Want some empanadas, crew members? <laughs> I know you got some banana pancakes. (laughs) So for me, Bolana Torres is really like the reason Voyager is my number one track. Like I love DS9, but Bolana Torres is the first character in TV that I really saw myself being mixed and being raised in the culture that I 
do not look like, but not necessarily, you know, knowing as much. I don't speak Spanish. You know, I, I can eat the food. I can cook some things, but not a lot. You know, there's no Spanish radio station. So, like, I love the music, but I, I don't have a lot of access to it when I was a kid and there wasn't streaming internet. Like, I, I look like the culture I don't know as well. Mm. And I don't look like the culture that I lived in. And that, mm-hmm. I think, in um in Lineage, Balana has this line where it's, when everyone around you is one way and you're not, you can't help but think there's something wrong with you. And that was like my struggle in teenage years. And I will die on the hill that Bolana Taurus is not a tragic mul- like mulatto. <laughs> that is, yeah. I will die on the hill. Because that, that description is very specific. And a lot of times it's someone grows up thinking they're one way and then finds out they're not because, you know, they can quote unquote pass and all this other stuff and then realize they're the other culture and their whole life goes to hell. Um, And they're like depressed and sad and destitute and like die a tragic life. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is not Blana Torres. Um, She, yes, she did have a bout of depression, but that is more tied towards you know, PTSD and loss and trauma than it is her heritage. What I saw in her was the anger that I had internalized and felt in two different sets of people. And let me be completely honest, not my family, both sides of my family was always very welcoming, but two different sides of people that you try to connect with both telling you you're not good enough or you're not quite there. You know, you, you grow up in a very homogenous area and don't match that homogeny and get like comments and things. And then you go to the, the people that you do look like, but you're never measuring up because you didn't know that song or you didn't mm. know that food or you didn't like speak those words. And I just remember my abuelo once completely nice, just in conversation said, you know, you're my only grandchildren that don't speak Spanish, hmm. which isn't meant as a hurtful comment, but yeah. you, you internalize that because yeah. you already know that you don't have that same thing that everyone else has. Mm. I don't know if I'm going to be putting words in your mouth, um, Anna, but tell me if this, because this is something that I kind of felt the same way. So I don't have the same issue in terms of being of mixed heritage, but I feel like Mm -hmm. either first generation or second generation immigrants go through a similar experience in that your, 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 your home life is one culture, but where you live you know, your day-to-day outside life is another culture and kind of the same. And then you you also don't fit in either one, especially if your parents are trying to get you to assimilate, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. To, to, the, to, the, to the culture, but neither accepts you. But what I was going to say was one of the things that I 
love about Bolana, and I think that people maybe don't always see this about her, and it ties back to your story about your grandfather, is that she's already judging herself so much harder than anyone else is judging her. So that whenever anyone makes a little comment about something that, you know, it's already, she's already defensive about, she blows up, right? Because, or she even internalized that more, it spikes the anger. So it's like, you were probably Mm -hmm. already aware, you were probably already hyper aware Mm -hmm. that you guys, you know, don't speak Spanish as well as your other cousins, for example. But then, and then to have your grandfather as not, you know, not in a negative way, bring that up. It was kind of like, well, thanks again, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. I, I already mm-hmm. feel that's, I feel like, I don't know if it's all of us. I don't want to generalize, but I know at least for me, and I think for you as well, Anna, because I know we've had similar conversations on our own. We have that, we put that extra pressure and judgment already on ourselves. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was something that I was able to see that Belana does to herself too. So that was just another layer. Mm-hmm. of the you know mixed cultures or you know children of immigrants culture right. yeah. <laughs> and Amazing. I did I did love that the other thing that I really really liked is and again tying it up to just like dumping any time a mixed person has any sort of trauma or identity crisis just tossing them into the tragic Latin bucket is unfair because it discounts the real struggle that we see and we go through and that we identify with her. Like I, I saw my life in that. And then to hear someone go, Oh, it's just a tragic mulatto again Mm. is very disingenuous to all of us who live that. And I think for Bolana and for the rest of us, I, it's not so much, that old trope as the very real um, imposter syndrome or even cultural dysphoria, I think would be a better term to use Mm. for that identity crisis of not quite knowing your, your place. I love that, Anna. And best of all with Bolana, if you think about it, the tragic mulatto ends tragically, like Mm -hmm. their life, is is trouble and nothing gets better but Bolana had to start somewhere to get the arc that she did and she probably has one of the best character arcs in the fact that you can count on one hand the number of happy couples that end happy Mm. like Star Trek couples that you see them still together when when it ends you have Keiko and Miles mm-hmm. you have technically Troy and Riker but that didn't happen until the movies yeah. mm-hmm. and then you have Tom and Bellana and yeah. that's kind of it until you start with like new track because Picard doesn't end up with anyone Cisco disappears so even though he was happy and had a child on the way they that's not how it ends Mm -hmm. like the last time you see them there's Bolana as opposed to someone whose life is ruined by the fact that they are mixed ends up finding a home and overcoming that and finding someone who does accept her to be happily married and um, and starting a family and yes that did downslide and slide into the trauma a little bit. Yeah. 
But overall, they end up happier than almost any other track couple. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Welcome to the Bolana Torres episode. Because we could talk on and on. Yeah, exactly. I know. Well, I'll I'll just add my take on her before we move we move on. I what's interesting for me is like I didn't watch that much Voyager when I was a kid. So I didn't have like a really strong grasp of Belana Torres as a character. Like I don't really have memories of watching T and uh watching Voyager and seeing Belana and relating to her or anything. I more so became aware of Belana as an adult when I was going back and watching Voyager and yeah, I mean, it's. I wonder, I wonder if I would have related to her when I was a kid, because because I am like kind of like what you were saying, Anna. You look like one part of your culture, but that's not the part of your culture that you identify with. For me, it's that I identify with both sides of my family, both of those cultures. But when people see me in in these U.S. states, they usually don't <laughs> assume that I am part Latina. Yeah. They mm-hmm. they assume the blackness, which is correct. I am African American. I am black, but they don't see anything else when they see me. So, so for me, I wonder what it would have been like. Would I have related to Belana back then as a Latina, or maybe even as a, a half Klingon, yeah. uh, someone mm-hmm. who is between two cultures and gets seen as one thing, but there's more be behind that to her that people kind of have yes. to understand to get Below to know her. Yeah. yeah, I like Barge of the Dead when when she's in that that circle and she has the battle and she's like what do you want me to be like Oof. just tell me who yeah. you want me to be right jeez i feel like i have had that vibe in my life <laughs> like, yeah i know <laughs> of course oh elisa were you very exotic growing up <laughs> oh god well i grew up oh my goodness <laughs> yes but here's the thing i grew up in a black community which was mostly mm-hmm. like afro caribbean black people yeah. And then I went to high school in the suburbs, which is mostly white upper class people and all, and all girls school. Yes. So it was weird. It, it, <laughs> it made me who I am. But there was a cultural whiplash that happened between yes. those two spaces. And yes, I, I absolutely have been exoticized. Mm-hmm. I think I've also been like, it's weird because like I have up until recently, I think I felt the need to prove myself in both cultures like mm-hmm. be like kind of like what you were saying like being black enough being latina enough but yes. also recognizing like well i'm i i have heritage from both but i'm not like i'm not fully both i have i've mm-hmm. been to puerto rico plenty i have puerto rican family members that i know well and i know the culture but i'm i didn't i wasn't born there i don't live there and then with african american culture it's like I think I came to terms with that earlier on in life because it was like, well, this is my blackness. You can take it or leave it. I don't care what you think anymore. Like I just got fed up with people trying to like prove blackness or make me prove or try to disprove my blackness. And I was like, this is BS. It's a scam. We shouldn't be doing this to each other. So basically (laughs) fuck you until you can understand that. I love you still, but fuck you. Yeah. You can, you know, embrace both cultures Mm -hmm. while still forging your own path. Yeah. So all that is to say, I have like come to appreciate Balana in a new way as an adult, as I, mm-hmm. as I go on my own journey of acceptance of who I am and my cultural touchstones and what that means for me. So yay, Balana. I mean, yay. she, she looms yay. large for us yes. understandably. Mm-hmm. So I think we had to take the time to really dive into her. 
Yes. Yeah. And for our listeners, if you want to hear Women at Warp talk more about Balana and things related to Balana, we have two other episodes we've done recently. One is episode 192 uh, about the the Voyager episode Lineage. And then another episode, which is number 172, Mixed Race Characters in Star Trek, where our co-host Sarah brings uh, a few mixed race Trekkies on to talk about different mixed race characters, including Balana. So check those out if you want to hear more Balana talk on this podcast. <laughs> but in the meantime, I think we can wrap up our TNG Voyager DS9 era of Latinidad in Star Trek with a diaspora shout out to the one and only Jordy LaForge. Yes, Jordy. He is part of our diaspora. His character has Jamaican roots as initially envisioned by Gene Roddenberry. Also, so culturally, we didn't get a lot of cultural stuff from Jordy. Yeah, we didn't know he was Jamaican in TNG because they never brought it up. But his mother, Silva LaForge, was played by Madge Sinclair, that same awesome Jamaican Mm -hmm. actress um, who was on Star Trek for the voyage home. Yes. So yeah, she, yes. Uh, I include Jordi LaForge in part of, as part of the Latin diaspora because of those Jamaican roots that were buried in his <laughs> character. <laughs> Still counts to me. Yes. Yep, <laughs> so moving on to the two thousands enterprise. Unfortunately, this one's going to be really short too. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I just have one There's person one. on this list. Mm-hmm. Captain Erica Hernandez, played by the actress Ada Maris, a Mexican-American woman from East L.A. The character of Captain Erica Hernandez was an ex-romantic partner of Captain Archer before they were captains. She was in three episodes. Uh, the character was pitched by the Cuban writer Mani Cotto. And unfortunately, we didn't get much more of Erica Hernandez's backstory or current story before the series was canceled. But we got to shout out Adam Maris and Captain Erica Mar- uh, Erica Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's it for Enterprise. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to Star Trek, the 2009 movie and its sequels. This is also kind of short. And unfortunately... Uh, there's a, a nice one to mention and then one that's not so yeah. great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the first one that we like to mention is Lieutenant Nyota Uhura, even though the character is, I think, established as Bantu in some of the Star Trek novelizations. So African. Mm-hmm. She's played by the Dominican, Puerto Rican, American actress Zoe Saldana. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. So big ups to, yeah, bigs up to our Dominican Puerto Rican actress who sometimes is problematic, but we still hold space for her in her learning curve. Okay. Zoe, I love you. And I'm glad she's learning. (laughs) I I do respect her because she she messes up a lot, but then she's like, okay, I get it. I'm sorry. Don't we all though? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I I respect her for that. Oops, so well. And then we have the whitewashing of Khan. Yeah. yeah. Benedict oh. We were doing so good. With Listen, I love me some Benny Combs, okay? I love him. Yeah, but but <laughs> not as Khan. Not as Khan. Come on, <laughs> y'all. What happened here? What happened here? Uh, <sighs> well, I suppose it's better than dark makeup. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I guess. Yes, that's true. <laughs> well, if you think about like the original con. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They did darken him up a little bit. Yes, they did. Oh goodness. I <laughs> as much as I love Star Trek, 
I sometimes feel so tired when I think about these things in Star Trek. And this mm-hmm. is one of the things I get really tired, like thinking of how they whitewash Khan, who is already like culturally kind of untethered. Yeah. Yes. Like it was already unauthentic. Oh, no, thank you. That's a better word. Right. For it. Yes. And then to make it even mm-hmm. more or less authentic was like, oh, really? Are we going backwards? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Going even further from what could have been the original concept yeah. of the character. It's yeah, it's disappointing. Again, big ups to Benedict Cumberbatch. I yeah. he's a fabulous actor. I adore him. But the, this was a weird move to yeah. to whitewash Khan. Whoever they yeah. would have cast in it, it would Agreed. have been a weird move. Agreed. So that's that's it for the movies, as far as I know. There might be some other smaller characters that were Latina. But now we will dive into the newest era of Star Trek, which uh, has, as we said before, the most Latina representation, also is more willing to dive into actually showing and expressing the cultural specificity yes. of these characters, seeing them in their glory. Oh, my God. Like, I'm excited to talk about these. So let's get into it. So Discovery. The first one is kind of not great. Mm. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't super count either, to be honest. But I will mention them just because I think when the show came out, there was some questions about the character's uh, ethnicity or heritage. I'm talking about the one and only Captain Gabriel Lorca. Yes, the dude has a Spanish name, a very Spanish name. Mm-hmm. That name is actually Lorca is like one of the most famous Spanish poets, Federico Garcia Lorca. But Homeboy was played by an English actor, Jason Isaacs, who, as far as we know, doesn't have Latina heritage. And also he had a like slightly, slightly Southern U.S. accent, <laughs> which doesn't again, none of this negates Latinidad, but it doesn't add up to Latinidad. So it's yeah. fine. And then also his family business was making fortune cookies. It's like, okay, why? What? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) So this almost feels like a con, like con 2.0, just like kind of all over the place, like cultural mishmash. Also like Chakotay, Mm -hmm, like the mm -hmm, cultural mm -hmm. mishmashiness. I can kind of get how maybe sort of going back to the TOS mindset of we're all mixing, we're all one country. Mm -hmm. I... Mm -hmm. If anything, it could possibly have been meant to represent how humanity has melded some Mm -hmm. in that we all know there are plenty of a lot of uh, immigration from Asia into Latin America. Right. There is a lot of blending between Latin America and Asia. I do see how they might have meant that to represent how the world has mingled, where you have a very Spanish name, but obviously ha- might have Asian roots or American mm-hmm. roots. And, you know, props if that's what they were trying to do. It just didn't, it didn't quite work. Mm-hmm. I will do anything to make Trek make sense in my brain. Oh, <laughs> isn't that? Isn't that literally like, I feel like that just defines being a Trekkie sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Like it makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Don't at me. (laughs) (laughs) But again, big ups to Jason Isaacs and also discovery in general. Mm -hmm. I friggin' love that show. The team is awesome. They, yeah, it's a great show, but luckily we start with that, but then it gets so much better. Y'all. Oh, Kennedy. One of our co-hosts calls him space zaddy. (laughs) The 
wonderful Dr. Hugh Culber. Oh my gosh, there's just so much, so much goodness to say. I mean, yes. about this character, right? Gay Afro Latino Wilson Cruz, Puerto oh, Rican Boricua. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a gem. He's a dream. We love him, and also this character is fucking dope. So, yep. oh, what yes. I mean. Oh, I have a few words about, I remember, I remember my husband and I have started watching the, you know, new Trek. I'll call it new Trek. We started watching, you know, Discovery and Picard and we're going to start changing worlds together. It's kind of like in the shows that we, we were watching together. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were sitting together and we were watching an episode, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but I know that it was when Stamets gets Q's uh, like comfort food, I think it was, mm-hmm. and it was Asopao. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you when I heard that I, I think that legitimately screamed yeah. and I was like no I was like did you hear that did you hear that he said he said I so pow. yeah <laughs> and yeah. I was like and the thing is like it may not seem like such a big deal but that was like one of my I, like you know it's a, it's a food you grew up with I fed mm-hmm. my daughter that like all the time she loved it and this is another little plug on how I like how they did this in the sense that they don't specifically assign him a country to belong to. It's kind of like, if you know, you know, if Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know, you can still appreciate the Latin representation Mm -hmm. with their, with their given little clues as to his heritage without frankly saying it. So everyone can kind of still accept him and he can belong to everyone. Yeah. And I, and I really appreciate, I really like that. Again, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I'll just say when he said that, I was like, oh my God, he loves us about like me. <laughs> it also, I, I totally agree with you. And it, I think it's also comforting to think that the foods of our ancestors, of our families are, will continue into the future. Like there's something really yes. comforting about that for me. And also some other culture, specific cultural things mentioned were muerto parado, which I had to look up. I had never heard of that. I was like, what is that? Yeah, I never heard about that either. <laughs> but yeah. that is a very Puerto Rican thing, though. Yeah. Isn't? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But that's kind of like, that's one example. Whereas, like, if you don't know what it means, you still appreciate the words as being exactly you know, Latin, mm-hmm. coming from a Latin culture. And you're like, all right, well, I'll take it. But if you know, if you're Puerto Rican and you know, you're like, oh my God, like this character yeah. is from my island. Yeah. I love it. The other one yeah. was Mavi. That was the yeah. other like specific cultural reference. Oh, and again, yeah, Puerto Rican yeah. Mm-hmm. references. I think Maui is also a drink in all the other Caribbean islands, how we were kind of tying that all together. Yeah. But under like, had it been a different island, it would have been a slightly different name or right. pronunciation, mm-hmm. which I like that they're twice they've used the correct thing, <laughs> which I'm sure is a Wilson Cruz influence, but it's not like, like earlier where they mm-hmm. might mention one thing from one country and another thing from a different country. And you're like, but wait, that doesn't quite line up, but it's, it, they're all still specific references back to Puerto Rico, but subtle enough where if you're talking with someone that you've known for a long time, you're not talking about, Oh, on my Island, you're just, you know, mentioning the thing because mm-hmm. you guys have already had that conversation which right. which I like. So yeah, there's so much about Dr. Hugh Culber culturally that we appreciate and we recognize and connect with. Even if people aren't Puerto Rican, they connect with him culturally and appreciate his existence. Do we know? Does anyone do you has anyone either heard Wilson Cruz talking in a pod in a 
in a con or in an interview as to saying if he had how much influence he had into these little tidbits? Was it the writers or did he kind of give his own little input? I might be making this up, but I feel like, (laughs) I know, I feel like he mentioned something like that on the ready room about having these discussions or putting in little things. Like I, I feel like it was, it was um, like a collaboration. I think the writers now are much um, I don't want to say better, but it, it's a different culture than it used to be. And there is a lot more continuity and focus on making sure things are accurate and, and bringing in the actors to it. So I, I believe there was some conversation with Wilson on that, but I'm, again, I might've made that up, but I, I think it was in an interview on the ready room. Okay, cool, cool. And I also want to just give the character some love too, because through this character, we have seen so much beautiful representation, not only as a, uh, as a Latino, as an Afro-Latino, and as a gay man, uh, but also as a medical professional dealing with his own mental health struggle. Like, yes. that's something I think that's super new to Star Trek, like really diving into that and dealing with it. Like him and book scenes when they were in therapy, yeah was amazing Mm -hmm. i because that again is like two seeing two men in like in therapy together working through things and men of color let's say right because we know we know how much of a stigma right you know getting (sighs) therapy or acknowledging that we're not doing okay yeah you you know also i am going to give david ajala a shout out and i didn't put african like specifically african actors on this Mm -hmm. and i should have because a lot of our culture comes from Africa and even yes, the foods yes, we're talking does, about, yeah. a lot of them have roots in Africa. So I should have, I'm sorry They're but they're like pre diaspora. So, you know what I'm saying? Like Correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so much love to the African actors too. David Ajala, it, it, he, he killed it this past season. Uh, but yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that that's the love I wanted to show for Dr. Hugh Culber. Anything else about Dr. Hugh Culber we want to shout out? I just, it made, <laughs> it made my little teen heart so excited because I was a theater kid. So I seeing both Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp in the same Star Trek series. It was like, oh my God, everything I love is together on one screen and like blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) It does not cease to be a wonderful thing. Like Mm -hmm. as a same thing as a nerd theater nerd kid growing up with rent Growing yes. up with my so-called life, exactly. Like, yes. oh, those two are just a dream come true. I love them both. Okay, well, um, so discovery. I'm going to wrap the discovery section of this convo up with some diaspora shoutouts, and there's a few here, which is very lovely. So we have Blue Del Barrio, who is an actor, a non-binary actor who plays Adira Tall, and the actor is Argentine British. So big ups to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, another diaspora shout out to Raven Dauda, who plays Tracy, Dr. Tracy Pollard, the Jamaican. Oh, sorry. She has a Jamaican mother and Sierra Leonean father. Hey, Africans. Yes. Yay. She's also Canadian. Hey, Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final diaspora shout out I have is for Bahia Watson, who played May Ahern in season two. Who, oh, I love that character. She's so dope. I love that actress. Like, she's so dope. And her mm-hmm. mother is from Guyana and her father is. Canadian. So big ups to her. Nice. And that 
that concludes our discovery section. And we just have two more now, Picard and Strange New Worlds. So yes, I will say a spoiling spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't seen Picard or Strange New Worlds yet. Um, Little bits, but we'll try to not spoil too much. But jumping to Picard first, we have one of my favorite Star Trek characters, Captain Cristobal Rios. I love Rios. (laughs) Holy crap. He's a tour de force. Like the first season of Picard was like the one man show of Santiago Cabrera. Like the dude, he's first of all, he's Chilean, uh, incredible actor. And I'm obsessed with all of the different versions of him he played on his ship, the hologram versions of yes. him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was hilarious. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> so good. So brilliant. <laughs> like he he just, oh, he made a meal of that. And all the distinct personalities they had, all the different accents he did. Some of them spoke only Spanish. Yes, and also, I'm I, bring up. yeah, I love, also love that one of them spoke the type of Spanish that was just like, so like, guttural just like, blah, 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 like yeah. that kind of, mm-hmm. i was like oh god this guy's brilliant oh my god he was he's really good i yeah. yeah i was gonna say this also for more further further into season two of picard and i don't know if i'm gonna be expressing myself well but i'll try one of the things that i i really enjoyed about um rios and then later on the doctor it's kind of it was just latin people kind of living you know what I mean like living Mm -hmm. in 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 their regular life like talking how we Mm -hmm. talk Spanglish throwing in some Spanish words and Mm -hmm. then going back to English and just you know doing your thing but without overtly stating that that's what it you know that it's about them being Latin does that make any kind of sense absolutely (laughs) yes oh yeah Mm -hmm. and that's what that was my take home from Picard's Latin you know the representation of Latinidad and Picard was like it was just um, as, as part of the cult, as part of the life, you know, as part of mm-hmm. the people living, you know, it doesn't have to, it's not about, they didn't break it down about that, you know, about it having to be about there. Oh, this person speaks Spanish, you know, mm-hmm. let's make a big deal about them speaking Spanish. No, he just, yeah. he's just speaking it. Yeah. Every time that seven and that one, like the guttural Spanish hologram spoke to each other and they just like understood each other. I was like, my heart just fluttered (laughs) it's so good that like of course the borg knows spanish she knows every (laughs) language probably (laughs) um so that uh, just this character has given given me so much life and i love i love that they brought him into picard and then yes you mentioned dr teresa ramirez Mm -hmm. and her son ricardo Mm -hmm. Um, so Dr. Teresa was a new character in Picard season two. She ends up being the love interest of Cristobal Rios. She's played by an actress, an Argentine actress named Sol Rodriguez. And then her son is played by an American L.A. kid. I think L.A. Southern California kid named Steve Gutierrez. I thought they were lovely. Uh, and mm-hmm. I love what you said too, Luce, about yeah, just seeing Latinas just live on camera and their existence just be just be that it's their existence yeah, and it's exactly. their lives and yeah. their stories are pulled from that rather than laying on these, these like stereotypes on top of them. Yeah, exactly. Right. That, yes. I remember I told you, you had mentioned to me, Aliza about yeah. there being a Latin doctor. Yeah. On, I was like, oh, man, it's like, I, I really hope they don't like lay the stereotypes on heavy. 
And they didn't at all. I don't think that they did at all. She was just like, I love that character. Another, like, from one, you know, woman Latin doctor to another, I was like, oh my God. And she's, oh, and then she was, you know, the fact that she's in her community and she's, mm-hmm. she's treating people that look like her. And, you know, it was that are from her same, you know, similar culture. It was just all the chef kisses to that yeah. character. I wonder, I have to wonder whose choice it was in the name of her clinic as well, because mm-hmm. calling it La Mariposas has such cultural roots, not only like with the Mayan um, and, and the indigenous communities of Central America with the butterfly representing warriors, mm. but also being Dominican, my brain couldn't help go to the Mirabal sisters and yeah. And Las Mariposas. Wait, can you explain the, the Mirabal sisters? So in the Dominican Republic during the Trujillo dictatorship, there were three sisters who, you know, were, were sort of political activists and, and sort of standing up to him, gotten arrested and, and were fighting sort of against the dictatorship and ended up being murdered. Mm. And then it was, I think, after that murder that Trujillo was assassinated. Oh. Um, but they were they were called Las Mariposas. Wow. I didn't know this. Yeah. So it's and it, it it is that tie of like, you know, doctors standing up and helping her community against it. It was very politically tied, which to me, the clinic being called that by a female doctor, wow, like that cued my brain, which it completely could have been the Central American warrior butterfly as opposed to the political activist sister. Now that you think about it, it could have been both mm-hmm. because then they, the way that they tied her clinic up to the whole issue with of immigration and, you know, the the, sta- the undocumented status of, of, of the people that visited her clinic. Uh, I feel I feel like the writers or, you know, whoever's who, the person whose idea it was, I think that they knew what they were doing because they, the way that they tied it to, to immigration and ICE and that whole experience kind of feels like they they were trying to make a statement. Um, but that would be a good question to try to. Um, if any of these people are ever at cons or get interviewed to try to figure out if that was intentional. There is a really good book. If anyone wants to do further research on the Mirabal sisters called in the time of the butterflies. Oh my goodness. That's who it's about. Yeah, that's who yes. it's about. <laughs> There's wow. a movie too. There's a movie yes. too. Yes. Same name. El Tiempo de las Mariposas. Mariposas. Yes. yes. What? I have that book, I think in Spanish. Nice. Yep, that's what I about. clearly haven't read it in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Thank you so much for that lesson. I'm going to reread that book soon. My pleasure. Yeah. Picard was just like a beautiful corticopia of Latina representation through these, just these three characters even. And then also like getting to examine the current situation with uh, immigration and undocumented folks through the lens of Star Trek was really interesting for me. And and through the lens of these three characters too. So that was dope. And then I wanted to say, oh yeah, there's just one more diaspora shout out for Picard, which is Isa Briones, who is Filipina, which as we all know, was also colonized by the Spanish and a lot of Filipinos speak Spanish. Uh, She's Filipina on her dad's side. So shout out to our sister Isa Briones. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I love that they got her father 
also guest starring. Oh, in they did. Card. Yes, he was um, in the second episode. He had a lot of scenes with Jerry Ryan. He was her husband. Oh, then. He was her husband. Yes, yeah. that's Issa dad. Oh my goodness! Well, shout out to him too. Amazing. Mm-hmm. For our final little segment on Strange New Worlds, again, spoiler warning. But but not all of us, not all of us are fully caught up on Strange New Worlds. So yeah, there's only so much we can really talk about. But we have these two characters that I know of so far who presumably are Latina. One we know is played by a Colombian American actress, Miss Melissa Navia, who Yay. plays the dope ass Lieutenant Erica Ortegas. Helmswoman, mm-hmm. cool haircut. I just watched the episode. I think it's like episode three. I won't spoil what happens in the episode, but I will tell you that she, or episode four, maybe, um, she does a lot of Helms womaning and it's very dicey for the ship. And I love her quips. Um, she's just like, oh yeah, we're going to go into this um, this uh, black hole. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Captain. <laughs> she has such snark and I love it. Is she, is her personality like Tom Paris, you think? I think even more snarky. Yeah. It's, it's hotshot pilot Mm -hmm. personality, which I love. And I love that she is basically like, quote unquote, the cool kid. (laughs) She also feels like the type of cool kid who's just nice to everyone. You know, she's very kind to Uhura. She's kind to, there's someone who is uh, in another episode, like taken over Mm -hmm. by something very TOS style. And she's like, are you okay? Uh, do you need help? Like, she's just like, she just seems like a nice, kind <laughs> yeah. character who's not an asshole, but still has like a little bit of a cocky attitude and also isn't afraid to kind of gently push back at the captain when there's something that she doesn't either doesn't agree with or is like concerned. She's like, are you sure? Because your science officer just said X, Y, Z. You sure you want to do that? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that about her. I'm so excited to see even more of her. We've only seen these first or only had these first six episodes out. So there's still more to see from Lieutenant Erica Ortegas. I love how she, she's so good at joking with like, you've seen her. I I can't wait for the episode that focuses on her because you've seen sort of supporting and interacting with the captain. You've seen her with Uhura and that same role, sort of like loosening her up a bit with the with a little prank. And then you <laughs> see her in this last episode with um, Nurse Chapel and them really speaking, you know, more seriously in the back and forth with relationships and everything. And I just, I just love how sh- they're ha- showing her interactions with the other characters. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I really want it to pay off when we get her story and her backstory. Yeah. Yeah. And they like so far, Strange New Worlds has been really great about so far each character. It seems like they are going to do each character has like a little spotlight episode. So, yeah, like as we make our way through the crew, I'm excited to see more about Erica Ortegas. But we already love her. Melissa, you're dope. Thank you for being you. And we're excited to see more. And the final mention I have, I just actually when I was like not rewatching, but getting caught up on Strange New Worlds last night. I was like, oh, wait, there's another bridge officer who I think might be Latino. And Mm -hmm. I looked him up and I don't know much about him, but I will give Oscar Moreno, the actor, a shout out because he plays crewman Zuniga. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anything about him or his heritage, but in case he is Latina. Hey, boy, what's up? How you doing? We love you. (laughs) Uh, Whatever you are, we love you. 
Oh yeah. Who oh, I just Googled him. Um, originally born in Bogota, Colombia. Yeah. Right. So nice. there you go. Two Colombianos on the bridge of the freaking enterprise. Look at that. What? Look at God, Yay. y'all. Look at God. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So shout out to Colombians <laughs> for, for getting some <laughs> awesome representation. Yes. Uh, shout out to Strange mm-hmm. New Worlds. And I think that's that's actually we are pretty much out of time and we managed to get through our whole list. <laughs> we did so it. Yay. We did it. amazing. Yay, us. Yay, us. so dr luce where can people find you on the internet and is there anything else you'd like to just say as we close this out well i am on twitter people can find me it's luce l-u-z x-ray and then the letters m and d luce x-ray md and i would just like to thank you aliza and women at war for giving us this space to talk about Latinos in Trek and to just, you know, fangirl and have a good chat. <laughs> oh, thanks for coming and being on our episode. And Anna, where can people find you? And is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, people can find me on Twitter and my handle is at tragic comic way, only one C connecting tragic and comic. And then on Insta, um, tragic comic controversy. And there are are two C's between comic and controversy. So that's a double double C there. And I just want to say thank you so much to both you and Luz. This has been so much fun. And I am so excited to talk more later. Yes. And um <laughs> and all the new track that's coming out and the the representation and seeing what happens next in all of the series. Wonderful. Thank you, Anna, for being here and for giving us all of your knowledge and awesome in interesting perspectives on everything. Uh, and my name is Elisa Pearl. You can find me here on Women at Warp, uh, but also on Twitter and Instagram at Elisa Pearl, A-L-I-Z-A. I'm a game master and actor. Y'all just follow me and I'll tell you where you can see me on the <laughs> internet or on film and TV as it pops up. So to learn more about our show or to contact us, visit womenatwarp.com. Email us at crew at women at warp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at women at warp. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. Have a great rest of your day.